Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 6, verse 4. The Nephilim, that's a Hebrew word for the fallen ones from the root Nephal, were on the earth in those days. Are they the product of this union between the sons of God and the daughters of men? Possibly. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, that phrase came into has a sexual connotation, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Nephilim is used again in Numbers 13.33 when they go into the promised land and they say that Nephilim, the sons of Anak, Numbers 13.33, made them look like grasshoppers in their sight. So there are some that conclude that whatever's going on in this ungodly cohabitation, it produces weird-looking giants, something like Goliath. I was doing a little quick research on giants over History, do you know right now, I think the tallest man on the earth is eight foot one. He's got a foot over Shaquille O'Neal. He makes Shaquille O'Neal look like a shrimp. And there have been pictures throughout history, you can go on the internet, you'll get some weird sights, but you'll get some solid pictures as well. And there's been some large people on the earth, really like huge people. Well, whatever is going on here, the Nephilim seem to be a product of these relationships. They're mighty men, probably known for their strength and power and size, and they become men of renown on the earth. I know it's strange, but here's what seems to be happening in this time. What's the Lord's response? Then the Lord saw, Ra'ah, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent, literally the word is product, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God looks. What does he see? You watch a news report. You watch the first 10 minutes of the news. And some of you have stopped watching the news, and sometimes I have to take a break from the news as well. But you watch the first 10 minutes of a news report, and do you know what your heart is doing? Imagine times that by whatever God takes in in a moment of time around the globe. What do you think it does to him? What do you think he felt, if I can put it that way, when he looked at his creation and saw what man was doing? Now the focus is on man's behavior, and that's why some say, well, maybe this is not angels because the focus is on man. But it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And here's a sad reality. If you want to know what the days of Noah look like, mark Genesis 6-5. It says that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. That means bad, hurtful, or wicked continually. Every mind had been corrupted. Now, as bad as society is getting in our time, and I mean, if you've been, if you have been alive for a while, you've been watching a rapid decline of society, have you not? I mean, it's happened so fast with law after law being passed right now. You know, the state of California just passed a law a few days ago signed by 
Governor Jerry Brown, that now our crisis pregnancy centers have to post information on where you can get an abortion in a crisis pregnancy center. Now, why in the world would they pass a law like that? Now, Big Brother in California tells our crisis pregnancy centers they must either post a flyer on the wall, give the information digitally or by brochure on where a woman can get an abortion. Mandated by California state law. Why do crisis pregnancy centers exist? To try to hold up life. To try to tell women there are options like adoption and they provide ultrasounds to hold up life. And now our governor has passed a law that our crisis pregnancy centers have to give the other information. So there were two ladies on Fox, one from NARAL, she's supporting you know, uh, the pro-abortion side and another woman from the pro-life side. And Megan Kelly, to her credit, said to the woman from NARAL, okay, if you believe that the law should be the way it is, why don't you allow crisis pregnancy center information to be posted in your clinics, in your abortion clinics? Oh, no, oh, no, ah, no. So this is a one-sided deal, right? So now Big Brother is going to go into the crisis pregnancy centers and tell us what we can do. That's what's happening, you guys, right under our noses. And the, the laws are being churned out so fast, sometimes it makes my head spin. You know, we've long forgotten about the bathroom laws in California and the other things that are going on. We just kind of move on. But I'm telling you right now, our society is on a slippery slope. And all of this has been undergirded by people saying, eh, is there really truth? Uh, is there really a God? Is there really moral absolutes? You see, it's happened right now. Happening right now happened right under our noses. But there's still hope because we're here and God has called us to be salt and light in our generation. And p- some people just, they just don't understand. They just don't have all the information. And the, the every, every intent of their thoughts is the word, Hebrew word, yetzer. It's the idea of a, a pottery being formed. It's the idea of a shaping of a thought. Here's the question. Who is shaping our thoughts? Our children's thoughts. The media? Or the Word of God? I ask you that. I ask myself that as a father, as a pastor. Well, every time someone had a thought, and this time, you know what they did? They reshaped it into an idol, and it was all about them. They were able to take every thought, and instead of taking it captive to the obedience of Christ, they shaped it, they turned it around only for evil. Every thought that came into their mind. This is, this is terrible degeneration in humanity. They turned it into evil, only evil, continually. Wow. That's how far mankind had slidden down. That's the days of Noah. And the battle, my friends, my brothers and sisters, you must understand, spiritual warfare is fought in the, in the area or arena of ideas. Ideas have consequences. 
Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Every thought that is raised up against the knowledge of God must be demolished. And the only way people can be released from strongholds is by truth. The truth will set you what? Free. See, we need to have our minds renewed. We need to have our minds cleansed because you walk through that world, man, and it's easy to get dirty brains. It's easy to, to just be, uh, you know, these things, they call it temptation for a reason. Temptation, by definition, is tempting. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called temptation. It's a battle, but the battle belongs to who? To the Lord. He will be your strength. It's not going to always be easy. We realize that we're in a battle. This is where we are. Humanity so degenerated that everything that he thought... You know, we look at people today and we go, how could someone do something like that? But we understand, as a man thinks, Proverbs 23, 7, so... He is. You see, that's why right now the battlefield is for the youth. Have you noticed? That's what's going on in our world, folks. We've got to win them back. They're leaving the church in droves around their college years. Why? We've got to have better arguments. We're going to do more things here with apologetics. Defending the historic Christian faith. We have good arguments. We have good sound reasoning. But we've got to communicate that to future generations. We need the next generation to stand up and know what they believe and why they believe it. There's no more space for nominal Christians, you guys. No more. We've got to have people reading their Bibles in addition to Sundays. This is where the church must become strong again. Because the world is being swept away. Professing to be wise, they became fools, right? They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image made like corruptible man or four-footed animals. Humanity began its slide. And God looked. Look at verse 6. And the Lord, I want to cry to you. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. If you want to know what to feel when you look, that's what you should feel. If you want to become more like your God, it's not about waving a bony righteous finger at people. He was grieved. He looked around at what happened to his creation. And he, you know, this is what they call um, an anthropomorphism or a, a way to show the anthropopathism, a way to show the, the in human terminology that God feels. And when God looked, he was grieved. He looked around at his creation and it broke his heart. Ezekiel 6, 9, God says to his people, Then those of you who escape will remember me 
among the nations to which they will be carried captive, how I've been hurt or broken or crushed or grieved by their adulterous hearts, which they turned away from me, and by their eyes, which they played the harlot after their idols. And they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they've committed for all their abominations. At some point, have you ever just had a moment where you realized how holy God is and what you had been sowing to and you went, oh my goodness. Uh, this week, for some reason, I've been kind of almost extra emotional about things, even thinking about what God has saved me from. None of us have arrived, none of us are perfect, but we have a message of hope to proclaim. But we have a God in heaven. Look, if he didn't care, he wouldn't be grieved. If he just wound up a clock and said, good luck, humanity, he wouldn't be brokenhearted over what we do. This is about a personal God who is involved with his creation. He cares about what we do. He cares about how we live. If he didn't, he wouldn't do anything. There would be no emotion recorded here, no feeling but then the Lord says something radical. Then the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals. Everything pays the price to creeping things, to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. And then we'll end in verse 8, but it says a little light here. But Noah, his name means comfort or rest, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in God's eyes. Why? Well, one reason we know is that Noah was walking with the Lord. He, just like Enoch, was walking with God. Just look at Genesis 6, verse 9. It says, These are the records of the generation of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Doesn't mean perfect, but he was consistent. And Noah did what? He walked with God. Look at 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Look, it's true. God's grace is what salvation is all about. But it's also true that his grace should produce something in our lives. That we should be living out what we're trying to give out. Go to Hebrews 11 and we're done. Hebrews 11, all the way in the New Testament. The word favor or grace is in Greek, charis. In the Hebrew picture language, it means to fence or protect life. That's what God's grace does. It means to be favorably inclined towards, to give compassion, to make camp with. It has the idea of a walk, a two-way relationship, but God is the one giving the grace. Grace protects us from our flesh, from our own failures. This word is used of Noah in Genesis 6.8, of Abraham in Genesis 18.3, of Lot in Genesis 19.19, of Jacob uh, before Esau, of Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar, of Israel in uh, their favor in the sight of the Egyptians, of Gideon in Judges 6, of Ruth before Boaz. It's the idea of grace. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's not by works, it is the gift of God, not by works so that what? No man should boast. But we usually stop there. 
For we are his work of art, his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should, what? Walk in them. Grace is a gift. You cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. But it is responded to or appropriated or received by faith. Hebrews 11, 7, and we're done. By faith, Noah, Hebrews 11, 7, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is what? According to faith. Grace is received by faith. God extends grace. The cross of Jesus is the prime example. My son died for you. I so loved you that I gave him, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Grace is a gift, but every gift must be what? Received, or it's not yours. You're not automatically a child of God. You must receive God's favor or grace through Christ by faith. That's the channel by which you receive God's grace. We must respond. Two final thoughts. One, if you're a believer, what ark has God called you to build in this generation? And are you building it? Number one application, what ark by faith has God called you to build and are you building it? That's the question. Number two question, if you're not sure where you are with Christ, you haven't understood God's grace and favor and the cross and the resurrection, have you received Christ into your life? Have you boarded the ark of God's grace? Because the flood is coming. Now God's not going to flood the world with water again. We all know that. That's the rainbow or the bow in the sky. But God has made a promise. He's reserved the current heavens and earth for another kind of judgment. And it ain't pretty. It's a judgment by fire. And Peter says, because all these things are going to be consumed in this way, what what people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Look, the second coming of Christ should be a motivator for us. But Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be just that way at the coming of the Son of Man. So maybe we shouldn't be too surprised, but at the same time, I think we've got to get busy about God's work. Even if people around you think you're a fool, I have gotten to a point where I don't care. I don't care. I know what's in man. Amen? I love people. I try to reach out to unbelievers. But I'm not worried about my rep. I'm not worried about if people say, Hey, that Michael Lance guy believes there was a worldwide flood. (laughs) I don't care. Because I look around me and I see evidence of it everywhere. So it is incumbent upon us as God's people to say, Lord, how should I respond to this message? And I think he would say, be a light, build an ark. 
Send the message that there's hope, there's grace, but there's a space for grace. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. These are sobering realities, but this is what our Bible says. This is what you said. This is how you felt. Yet Noah found grace in your eyes. And we as believers have found grace in your eyes. You're a God of grace, a God who delights in loving kindness and mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, O Lord, who could stand? Not me, but with you there's forgiveness. With you, amazing grace. We sing about it all the time, Lord, and it is amazing. Every sin that we've ever committed, you have erased in Jesus at the cross through the resurrection. It's my hope. And Lord, as we ponder these things, I pray that you'll help us to just take a look at our own hearts this morning. See how you might speak to us. See how you might use us in our generation, Lord. Thank you for all the precious people here who have been touched by grace and are trying to spread it in the sphere of influence that you've given them. I praise you for this wonderful church body that wants to reach out and bless and extend the gospel to others. And I pray you'll begin to multiply them and their efforts, Lord, the fruit of their efforts. With your head and heart bowed, if you have an ark to build, God's been calling you to do something by faith. I would encourage you to step through that open door while there's yet time. And if you're not a believer with your head and heart bowed, it's something like this. If you want to just settle it and you want to get on board the ark, trust in Jesus, make it official right now. It's something like this. And I would encourage you to pray right now. Pray it out loud. Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. I repent. I've turned from my sin and I turn to you through your Son. Thank you that you came and died that I might live. If you're a prodigal, and maybe it's time for you to get right with God, something very similar should be prayed. Lord, thank you that you're so merciful and so loving. I pray your love and your goodness and your grace will shower these precious people. Strengthen them in the areas where they have doubt. Meet them in the areas where they have need for healing. Heal our backsliding, Lord. Make us a people with a passion for the truth. Thank you that you're so merciful when we fall short. Please heal marriages that may be in trouble this morning. Bring reconciliation among Christians so that the enemy has no foothold in this united front that we must have as we charge the hill together. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us afresh for the week ahead. Give us your eyes and your heart for this world. 
Let our eyes and what we see turn us to action that would please you so that we might live out what we want to give out. We just want to say we love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my thought is that you had um, previously mentioned in another chat that we just had concerning chapter 5 that men's lives matter to God. He lists a genealogy there. And the naysayer would say, well, if God is all-knowing, didn't he know that this would happen? And man was not left to his own uh, thoughts and things here that he was doing. God was watching all this. God still dealt with all this. And we can say that that is true, number one, that he saved eight people on an ark so that the human race can continue on. And number two, he sent a Savior. He provided a Savior for us so that we would not be continual in that state of evil and wickedness. Have you ever been in a situation, and I know this is completely human, but I think this is the best way to try to understand this. Have you ever been in a situation where you saw something coming, and you, you were pretty sure it was going to go a certain direction, but when it happened, you were still completely grieved? Oh, yes. Now, we can't put our attributes on God. We're not God. However, we can see the parallel, right? Even though God knows, it doesn't mean that when something happens, he's still not grieved. And so... I know where you're going with this. Well, if he knew it was going to happen, why did he even bother making us? Well, I think a lot of us are pretty grateful that he did. Because not only have we had a chance to live and love, but but we're going to be co-heirs with Christ in heaven forever as believers. So I think this is often said from the critic perspective, and I can kind of understand it. But at the same time, Oscar, you know, it's kind of like when you decide with your wife that, hey, we're going to have a family. You You have no guarantee how those children are going to turn out. But you decided that the, the positives outweighed the negatives, so you, you had a family. Yes. Um, of course, you know, again, we're trying to put human terms to this, and we're not God, nor do we have, you know, God's attributes and the incommunicable ones. But and anyway, I think, it, I think that does help people try to understand it. But I think what it does show is that God does care. He did provide a way. And if you, if you neglect the way of escape, if you won't go that way, he won't force you into the ark. And you will perish. And that's that's also going to be part of the, the free will that God has granted to you. One thing, too, is that God does not leave things unpunished. Right. So these people knew what they were doing, and they kept progressing even more. And they faced a judgment. The heartbreaking thing is that we can see in today's world, today's society, that there are atrocities against the human race that men are doing in the name of other religions or sure. states or whatever the case may be. They're blowing up subways, and and it, it's heartbreaking to see all these things. On the plus side, if you want to call it that, there will be a judgment coming for these things and accountability as well. And atheism and evolution has, and those ideas that go with it has produced a, a lot of turmoil on the planet as well. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.